If you have a Bible there, we're turning to the very first book in God's Word, the book of Genesis, and it's chapter 13. The book of Genesis, chapter number 13. have to confess that over the week I really struggled to settle on a message. I had two other messages, uh, I suppose about 75% prepared and just couldn't settle at all. And the Lord's drawn, I believe, my attention to this portion of God's Word. And I want to speak for a little while tonight about Lot. And we're just calling him this evening the prodigal father. You've heard the story of the prodigal son. Well, Lot is the story in the Old Testament of the prodigal father. And we're going to read from chapter 13, verse number 1, the first 13 verses of God's precious Word. Genesis 13, verse number 1. And Abram went up out of Egypt, he and his wife, and all that he had, and Lot with him, into the south. And Abram was very rich in cattle, in silver, and in gold. And he went on his journeys from the south, even to Bethel, unto the place where his tent had been at the beginning, between Bethel and Hai, unto the place of the altar which he had made there at the first, and there Abram called on the name of the Lord. And Lot also, which went with Abram, had flocks and herds and tents. And the land was not able to bear them, that they might dwell together, for their substance was great, so that they could not dwell together. And there was a strife between the herdmen of Abram's cattle and the herdmen of Lot's cattle, and the Canaanite, and the Perizzite, dwelled then in the land. And Abram said unto Lot, Let there be no strife, I pray thee, between me and thee, and between my herdmen and thy herdmen, for we be brethren. Is not the whole land before thee? Separate thyself, I pray thee, from me. If thou wilt take the left hand, then I will go to the right. Or if thou depart to the right hand, then I will go to the left. And Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Even as the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as thou comest on to Zor. Then Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan. Lot journeyed east, and they separated themselves the one from the other. Abram dwelt in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelled in the cities of the plain, and pitched his tent toward Sodom. But the men of Sodom were wicked, and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. Just ending at verse 13, and we know God will bless the reading of his word. Let's pray, let's seek the Lord, let's have all of God's people praying, and let's really focus in on God's word tonight, and have no distractions. Let's just be still for these moments, and we trust that we will know that the Lord truly is God. Father, we thank Thee once again for Thy precious Word. And we thank Thee, Lord, for the reading of it within these walls. And we pray now that the Holy Spirit Himself will come and uplift the Lord Jesus Christ and convince and convict individuals who are without Christ or have grown cold of their need to get right with God. I pray for the help of heaven for the infilling of the Spirit of God, hide me behind the cross and uplift the Lord Jesus Christ 
and bless every soul, every head that's bowed in thy presence. May everything dovetail together for thy glory. We humbly pray with thanksgiving in the Savior's precious and worthy name. Amen. I want to speak tonight for a little while to those in the meeting or those who are listening in perhaps online or maybe you've downloaded the message a little bit later on, but those who have drifted away from the Lord or got away from the things of God, maybe consciously, you can trace that back to a a decisive moment in your life whenever you made a wrong choice or a wrong decision and you took a wrong turn and tonight finds you in your heart at least far away from God. Or maybe for others it's been an, an unconscious thing, just a kind of a coldness setting in, a slackness regarding prayer and a slackness regarding your walk with God. And by and by, like Peter, you have found yourself over many years following the Lord afar off. And the distance between you and the Savior tonight is is a lot greater than it was maybe five or six or even 20 years ago. You're not in the place with God where you once were. You've got away from God and you've drifted away from the things of God. And it's, it's been a long, long time, if you're honest, since you told the Savior that you loved Him. It's been a long time since you've prayed in earnest. It's been a long time since you witnessed to somebody without Christ. It's been a long time since you've had the joy of God in your heart. Somehow, somewhere along the line, you've lost it. And it's maybe been a long time since you've been in a prayer meeting. And you have to confess tonight, if you're honest in your own soul, just before God, that yes, you have become something of a backslider. Robert Robinson wrote the words in his great hymn and became something of a a prophet of his own fate ultimately, prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. Now tonight, I'm sure we're all very familiar with the story that the Savior himself told in Luke 15, the parable of the prodigal son. And the word prodigal simply means to be recklessly wasteful to throw caution to the wind, to squander time and opportunity and gift and talent and finance, and to live recklessly and with riotous living to lose out with God the parable of the prodigal son. But I believe tonight that every New Testament truth has an Old Testament counterpart. And in Genesis chapter 13, we have a story of another prodigal, not a prodigal son, so much as a prodigal father. A father who went into the far country. A father who squandered so much by way of influence, testimony, and opportunity. And tragically and sadly in the process of Lot getting away from the Lord and getting away from the things of God, in the process of it all, helped in part to damn and ruin his own family. Now, the name Lot is an interesting name. It simply means a veil or a covering. And Lot's true standing before God was covered or veiled by the way that he lived his life for many, many years. You would hardly have known that Lot was a believer, a man who knew the Lord. 
if you didn't come to 2 Peter chapter 2, where the Bible says that Lot was a righteous man, and Lot vexed or grieved his righteous soul with the filthy conversation or the filthy ungodly lifestyle or behavior of the wicked. All the while that Lot had his tent pitched towards Sodom and then found himself living in Sodom, his righteous soul was vexed and grieved and Lot was a man most miserable. But if you just read Genesis 13, 14, 15, 16, 17 and 18, and you read every reference to Lot, you would see that, yes, his standing before God was veiled. It was covered. And maybe tonight that's you. Maybe there's a time in your life whenever you were born again. You were converted. You put your faith and trust in the Savior. And your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. But such is your manner tonight of living that what you really are inside is veiled and covered in the eyes of the world. And people might look at you and not really know or come to the conclusion that you're a Christian at all. As we think tonight about the prodigal father, there are some simple things that I want you to consider very simply and very briefly. First of all, in the first seven verses of the portion we read together, you'll notice where this backsliding in Lot's life began. Because there was a dispute that Lot had. A dispute that Lot had. It says in verse number one, Abram went up out of Egypt. Abram was Lot's uncle. And in the previous chapter, chapter 12 and verse one, we read that God had called Abram out of the Ur of the Chaldees. Now that was where Abram was born. It was a wicked, idolatrous, sinful place where they worshiped demons and spirits and all sorts of different things. Or if the Chaldees means the fire of the burnings. And God literally had plucked Abraham like a brand from the burning and called him to leave his old life behind. And in obedience to the Lord, Abraham was called out and became a great man of faith, a great man of God. In fact, the Bible says that one of his titles was the friend of God and also the father of the faithful. And Abram tonight is a picture of the true, separated, God-honoring believer, the man who is walking with God. You'll notice verse 1, Abraham went up out of Egypt. Egypt is a type of the world. And here's a man who realizes if God has called me and God wants me to follow him, I need to leave behind those things that are going to hold me back. And he went up and out of Egypt. It was a life of separation. The Bible says those who love the world are enemies of God. And the Christian, the believer, is not to love the world, neither the things that are in the world. And Abraham, as he went up out of Egypt, it says in verse number three, that he went on his journeys from the south, even to Bethel. From the south, heading up, going upwards, and he comes to a place called Bethel. And Bethel simply means the house of the Lord, God's house. And that's where Abraham wants to be. He wants to be in God's house. And not only did he go to Bethel, but it says in verse number four that he went on to the place of the altar. 
the place of worship, the place of prayer, the place of sacrifice, the place of acceptance and and fellowship with God. And there's a man that has got reality. There's a man who can look back to a time in his life and God called me. I rose, went forth, and followed thee. I've got involved in the things of God. I'm now in the house of the Lord, at the altar, in the place of prayer, out of the world, living a God-honoring life. What a, a wonderful testimony it was. Verse number 5 says, Lot also, which went with Abram, had flocks and herds and tents. But we don't read that Lot had any interest in Bethel. We don't read that Lot set up an altar. We don't really read about anything of his prayer life, or his walk with God, or his separation, or his desire for the things of God. And that's where everything began to go wrong for Lot. Do I speak to somebody tonight in the meeting and you take your place as a Christian? But the reality is, in God's house, your heart is somewhere else. And there's no real altar in your life. No real worship. No real prayer. No real sacrifice. No place of fellowship, intimacy, or communion with God. And you're going through the motions, tagging along with the rest of the crowd, but your heart is somewhere else. Verse 6 says, The land was not able to bear them, that they might dwell together, for their substance was great. Verse 7 then says, And there was a strife. Now, it's strange, isn't it, that the strife took place at Bethel, at the house of the Lord. And the strife was concerning all of their material possessions and the land and their inheritance and the place where they were dwelling. And what a tragedy it was. What a poor testimony it was. It says, the Canaanite and the Perizzite dwell then in the land. And so here's a group of professing believers. And some of them, before the ungodly, before the world, are fighting among themselves. Striving over finance and land and possessions and all of the things that the world holds dear. What a poor testimony it was. And it's a tragedy whenever there's a strife amongst the people of God. And a tragedy whenever we get so taken up with the things of the world and our physical means and our physical substance. And believers have strife and arguments over these things and the world looks on. And what a tragic testimony it is. I wonder tonight, Christian, can I challenge you to watch your testimony? Watch your relationships before the world with God's people, even in your own home and in your own family. I know that things can happen to us. People can make life difficult for us. But, you know, we have to be so careful as to our testimony before the world and before the ungodly. Maybe you're here tonight and you're not a Christian. You're not a believer. Can I address you for just a moment? And can I speak to you tonight by way of apology for the poor testimony and the poor state of religion and the poor state of Christianity and the poor state of the church in Northern Ireland? You mentioned this morning about the children of Israel and they'd made a golden altar. And Moses' heart was broken because he knew this is not how it should be. This is not why the Lord saved us. And I can't help but sometimes feel sorry for those outside of Christ, lost in their sin, at the end of their tether.
And they maybe think about God and think about the Bible and think about the Savior. And they consider these things and then they look at the church and they get so badly put off. And they think perhaps that the whole thing is a sham. Maybe tonight you're a backslider. And it may be that just like Lot, you have backslidden and you've lost out with God because of some dispute in a church or some fallout within a family or some strife over money or some, something that in light of eternity doesn't really matter. But you can trace it back to living a life where you were consumed with material possessions. You fell out with God's people. And over it all, you maybe fell out with the Lord. And you never intended that to happen. But by and by, you know in your heart, I've lost out. And I'm no longer in the place where I ought to be. A dispute Lot had. Notice, secondly, a decision that Lot made. Verse number 8. What a spiritual man Abram is. Abram said unto Lot, Let there be no strife, I pray thee. Between me and thee, between my herd men and thy herd men, for we be brethren. Is not the whole land before us? If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. If you go to the east, I'll go to the west. You see, Abraham, or Abram, is a spiritual man. He offers this counsel and this challenge to Lot. Abram is willing to rest all in the hands of God. He's not concerned about the land. He's not concerned about how much he possesses. He's not concerned about how much he can accumulate and how much he can get together. He just says, Lot, Lot, you pick whatever you want. I'm not concerned about this world and all the things that it holds dear. And Lot, I'm willing to let you choose whatever you want. But let's not fight. Let's not fall out. Let's not have disputes. I tell you tonight, most Christians in Northern Ireland, wouldn't dream for five minutes of saying the things that Abram said. They'd be sticking their arm in and fighting for what's rightfully theirs, but Abram's not thinking about those things at all. And the sad truth is that Lot made a decision. And you'll read in verse number 10 that Lot simply lifted up his eyes and beheld. He didn't pray. He didn't seek God. He didn't get to Bethel or go to the altar and say, Now, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? Lot lifted up his eyes. There's the lust of the eye. Verse 10 also said, He beheld the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered, it was green, it was lush. There's the lust of the flesh. And then in verse number 11, Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan, thinking only about himself and getting as much as he possibly can. There's the pride of life. For Lot, this was a business opportunity. This was an opportunity that undoubtedly would afford security for his family. Look at that lush pasture. I can graze my cattle there. Look at those great cities with all of their grandeur, and that would be a place that I could raise a family. Look at all that land. It's fertile, it's lush, it's good for grazing. It's good maybe for growing. It's maybe good for building. And the grass was greener near Sodom. But Lot's decision would wreck his family. Lot's decision would almost damn his own children. Lot's decision would rob his wife of a place in glory. What a tragedy the story of Lot is. Maybe tonight you're backslidden. 
and you're backslidden because of a decision that you made. You personally made it without prayer. It appealed to the eyes. It appealed to the flesh. It tickled your pride. It made you feel good at a time. A decision that you made. You decided to engage in maybe some particular habit or sin. Or you willingly entered into a relationship or ran with a certain crowd. You decided to stop praying. You decided to stop reading your Bible. You decided to stop going to God's house. You decided to stop going to gospel meetings. You decided to stop witnessing and testifying. And you made certain decisions. And in the backdrop of those decisions, all of these years later, you find yourself far from God. Abram went up out of Egypt. Lot, in a sense, did the same, but he did it under duress. Egypt seemed to be very much still in the heart of Lot. A sense of worldliness. Again, still in Lot's heart. And some of you tonight are going to make a decision before this meeting is over. Whether you'll give your life to Christ. Whether or not you'll come back to God. And if you make the wrong choice and the wrong decision, you're only gathering speed for destruction. A dispute that Lot had. A decision that Lot made. Notice verse number 13, or verse number 12, rather, the direction Lot went. It says in verse number 12, Abram dwelled in the land of Canaan. Lot dwelled in the cities of the plain and pitched his tent toward Sodom. Now, Sodom could be described as Sin City. Whenever the saintly Martin Luther went to the city of Rome, he came back and he said, if there is a hell, then Rome is built over it. And Lot could have said the same about Sodom. If there's a hell, then Sodom is built over it. Chapter 13, 12, he pitched his tent toward Sodom. And so every morning whenever Lot opened the doors of his tent, the first thing he beheld was some wicked thing, a wicked place. And in the very next chapter, chapter 14, verse number 12, it said that Lot dwelt in Sodom. It wasn't all that long before pitching his tent towards Sodom was not enough. He wanted to get a little bit closer. And just one chapter later, Lot is living in Sodom. You see, friends, tonight sin will take you further than you want to go. Slowly, but wholly taking control. Sin will keep you longer than you want to stay and sin will cost you far more than you want to pay. And maybe tonight as you consider where you are, you never intended to get so far into the world and into sin. And maybe the greater tragedy still is that you have brought your family with you. You've brought your children along with you. You've brought your grandchildren along with you. You brought your wife and family members along with you. And Lot's taken his family down into that wicked, sin-cursed city. Heard a story many years ago that sent, I suppose, a chill down my spine. A young man in America was standing in the gallows, one of the western states. The hangman was about to put a black bag and a noose over his head. 
And he was allowed to address the audience and say his final words. And as that young man stood in the gallows, he looked across a crowd of people that had gathered, and at the back of the crowd he saw his own father. And he cried out and he addressed his father. He says, Dad, do you remember the spoon in the jar? Nobody in the crowd knew what he meant apart from the old man standing at the back of the crowd. Whenever that little boy had been growing up in the family home, his father would sit in an armchair with a pipe in one hand, a newspaper in the other. And then whenever he fancied a little drink of whiskey, he would reach for a little glass jar at the side of his chair and there was a silver spoon in it and he would just rattle it and shake and the little boy would come with a a bottle of rum or whiskey and would take the top off and pour some drink into the glass and then the father would take the teaspoon and give the boy a teaspoon of whiskey. And it wasn't long, years later, before that boy's life was bound and fettered by alcohol. And one night in a drunken fight, he beat a man to death with his bare hands. And now his pastor's caught up with him. And standing in the gallows on the brink of eternity, he can look back and trace it to a spoon in a jar. The influence of a prodigal father. And what it did in the home and what it did in the family. Beloved, tonight nobody, I'm convinced, nobody backslides alone. Whenever Peter said to the disciples, I'm going fishing, in John 21 and verse number 3, the other disciple says, we also go with thee. Now, he didn't invite them to come. He just said, boys, I'm going fishing. The nets that I forsook, I'm going to take them up again. And rather than being a fisher of men, I'm going to fish just for fish. And the other disciple says, well, we'll go also with you. And the tragedy was that not only had Lot went to Sodom himself, but he had took so many of his family with him, pitched his tent towards Sodom, and allowed his daughters to see that every single day whenever they were getting up. And now it's not long before Lot physically is in Sodom. But you know, the Word of God says that the secret of the Lord is with them that fear him. And old Uncle Abram was a man who feared God and eschewed evil and loved the Lord. And the Lord said in Genesis 18, Shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I do? Genesis 18 and verse number 17. God is going to tell Abraham what is going to happen soon in Sodom and Gomorrah. Abraham was still, after all of those years, still in the place where he could hear God's voice. Lot was no longer in the place where he could hear God's voice. Jesus Christ our Lord said, My sheep hear my voice. Can I ask you tonight, are you in the place in your life where you hear God's voice? Can you say in the words of the hymn writer, He walks with me, He talks with me, He tells me that I am His own? Or have you shut out the voice of God for so long that no longer do you hear that knocking in your heart's door? Man once went, a churchman, to Leonard Ravenhill, the great revival preacher and evangelist, and confessed after a meeting just like this, Mr. Ravenhill, I'm terribly backslidden. Leonard Ravenhill knew him and said, I was surprised to hear him say that because he still went to church. He still went to prayer meetings. He still was living an upright life. As far as I knew, he wasn't drinking or gambling or committing adultery or fornication or any of those things. And he says, but brother, I can't see how you can say you're backslidden whenever this is how you're living. 
And the man simply says, Mr. Ravenhill, I'm backslidden because I no longer hear God. I no longer hear God. I open my Bible and it's just like a textbook. I sit in church meetings and I'm not conscious of God. I'm not praying the way I used to. And I'm no longer in the place where I hear God's voice. When was the last time you heard God's voice? When was the last time you were conscious God speaking to me? When was the last time you opened your Bible and enjoyed reading the Word of God and was conscious God speaking to me? When was the last time you attended a meeting and you were conscious God's got a word for me? Maybe tonight the problem is that your heart is growing hard and silent to the Savior's pleadings. But Abraham can still hear God's voice. Back in Genesis 12 and 13, Abram's name was simply Abram. By the time you get to chapter 18, his name has changed to Abraham. That happened in Genesis 17, 5. And God said, your name will no longer be Abram, but Abraham. And just a little letter was put into the middle of Abram's name. And it's a, a, a letter that denotes a, an exhaling affair, a breathing out Abraham. And God changed his name. And it was like the breath of God was touching Abram's life afresh. And Abram's a man who's been following on to know the Lord. And by the time you get to chapter 18, Abram's a man that's filled with the Spirit of God. And God has breathed in his life and God has touched him. And here's a man that's living a Spirit-filled life. And he has gone one direction and Lot's gone the other direction. Now, spiritually speaking, they're poles apart. Friends, tonight, believer, there is such a thing as the infilling of the Spirit of God. There is such a thing tonight as knowing the breath of God in your life. There is such a thing tonight as walking in the Spirit that you'll not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. And Abraham was filled with the Spirit after he was separated from the world. The Bible says, Be not drunk with wine or in his excess, but be filled with the Spirit. And Abraham is now a man that's hearing God's voice. And whenever Abram hears God's voice about the destructions of the city of the plain, Abraham, a Spirit-filled man, is burdened for his nephew and his wee family. And Abram gets to the place of prayer. It says in verse number 23 that Abram drew near and said, Wilt thou also destroy the righteous with the wicked? The previous verse in Genesis 18, 22 says, Abraham stood yet before the Lord. Abraham had a place where he spoke to God. Abraham was a man of prayer. Abraham was a man that could hear God's voice. And Abraham was a man that could speak and commune with God. He's on praying ground. What a difference. That could have been the same for Lot. That could have been exactly the same in Lot's life. But Lot lost out with God and Abraham was going on with God and Abraham begins to intercede and pray for the city. And you know how the prayer goes. He says, if there's, if there's 50 righteous in the city, if there's 45, if there's 40, if there's 30, if there's 20. And then he says, Lord, even if there's 10, will you spur the cities for 10? And the Lord says to Abraham in Genesis 19, I will not destroy it for 10's sake. Now, why did Abraham stop at the number 10? I believe he was thinking about Lot and Lot's family. Lot was one. His wife makes two. 
Chapter 19, 14 speaks about sons-in-law, plural, so he had at least two sons-in-law. That is to say, he had at least two daughters that were married. That makes another four, so now we've got six. And then in verse number uh, 12 of chapter 19, it speaks about sons, at least two. That makes eight. And then in verse number 8, it speaks about daughters that weren't married, and that's at least two, and there you've got your ten. And I think Abraham was praying and saying, Lord, I'm sure he's influenced his family enough, and there'll be ten righteous. But sadly, Lot had not even influenced his family sufficiently, hadn't seen his family saved, and all Sodom would have been preserved. If there was ten righteous in the city, the influence of a Christian home, the influence of a Christian family, the influence of a little fellowship of believers in a community that's lost. Oh, tonight God is so exceeding merciful. You get to chapter 19, and you see in chapter 18 how far Abraham has gone with God. You get to chapter 19 and you see how far Lot has got from God. It says in verse 1 of chapter 19, There came two angels to Sodom at even, and Lot sat in the gate of Sodom. You see, Lot pitched his tent toward Sodom. Then in chapter 14, Lot went to live in Sodom. And now in chapter 19, Lot is sitting in the very gate at Sodom, and the gates of a city were the place for all of the counselors and all of the leaders and all of the legislators and all of the important people of the city sat. And now Lot has become a man of great influence in Sodom. He's built up a home and he's built up a family and he's built up a business and he's got a, an influence and he's hospitable. And these men come, these two angels come. And they meet with Lot, and they're there in answer to Abram's prayers. Lot has become a ruler in Sodom. And these angels come, and Lot's a hospitable man. Lot welcomes them and brings them into his home. Presently, he's not aware that they're angels at all. And he brings them in and says, come on in. And he made them a feast, and he baked them unleavened bread, and they did eat. And just as the sun's starting to set, it says in verse number 4, chapter 19, before they lay down, the men of the city, even the men of Sodom, compassed the house around, both old and young, all the people from every quarter. And they called unto Lot and said unto him, Where are the men which came into thee this night? Bring them out that we may know them, that we might have physical relations with them. You might commit adultery and fornication, all sorts of, of immorality. And you know, the tragedy is, the tragedy is that it says in verse number 6, Lot went out at the door unto them and shut the door after him and said in verse number 7, I pray you, brethren, do not so wickedly. These people are like brothers to Lot. And he's become, in many respects, just like the world living among them. But he says, brethren, don't do so wickedly. That's why Peter said that that righteous man vexed his righteous soul. Lot's absolutely miserable. What sort of life is this for me and my wife and my family? My daughters, my sons-in-law and children, maybe they'll be born after them. What sort of life have I provided for them? You see, beloved, tonight, the true backslider, 
will be absolutely miserable in this world. Once you have tasted and seen that God is good, and you've experienced the love of God and the presence of God, and you've known what it is to walk with God and talk with God and have the blessing of God in your life, you'll never be content in this world away from God. God's changed your nature and changed your heart. And he's so designed the Christian that they can never be content to live in a world at, at a distance from God. It's awful to think that whenever these people came, Lot says to them as they come to his door, I have two daughters which have not known man. Let me, I pray you, bring them out unto you and do ye to them as is good in your own eyes. Can you imagine what Lot's wife would have thought if she had heard him talk like that? Lot couldn't abide sodomy and homosexuality. But he didn't mind if his daughters were living loosely. And he's willing to satisfy his daughters to protect his home and protect all that he was and all that he had. What a tragic, tragic testimony. And whenever these angels spoke to him about the destruction that was coming to his city, in verse number 14, Lot went out and spake to his sons-in-law, which had married his daughters, and said, Up, get you out of this place, for the Lord will destroy this city. All of a sudden, burden for his family, burden for his daughters, thinking, I should never have come here, and we've set up home. And he says to his sons, Listen, there's a day of judgment coming, destruction's coming. The Lord's angry with this city. He's righteous, he's just, he's holy. He's going to destroy the city. But the Scripture just says he seemed as one that mocked unto his sons-in-law. Lord, are, are you telling us that God is going to destroy this city and us in it? Lord, we were born in this city. We have never known anything other than what it is to live in this city. But Lord, if the truth be told, you left Abram. You left a place of blessing. You left Bethel. And you chose to come to Sodom and you raised your family in Sodom and you built a house in Sodom and you entered into business in Sodom and you became a popular man in Sodom and now you're telling us that there's something wrong and you've been living the same way we have for all of these years. He seemed as one that mocked. How different, friends, things could have been if Lord had led a spirit-filled life. If Lot had been a man of prayer, he could have been winning his family, but he has lost his testimony. But we also read not just about the dispute Lot had, the decision Lot made, the direction Lot went, but also ultimately the deliverance that Lot experienced. Verse number 15 of chapter 19, When the morning arose, the angels hastened Lot, saying, Arise, take thy wife, thy two daughters which are here, lest thou be consumed in the iniquity of the city. And Lot lingered. The angel says, Lot, get up and leave now. Now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Lot, you can't afford to wait. You can't afford to linger. Judgment is imminent and you need to flee and get right with God now. Friends, that's God's message tonight for every person in this meeting that's not walking with God. Get right with God now. But Lot lingered. There are things in Sodom that he loves and things in Sodom that he's very reluctant to leave. So much so that the angels literally had to pull him, laid hold upon his hand and upon the hand of his wife and his two daughters, and they brought them out of the city. They plucked them as brands from the burning. 
God being merciful. And Lot, we might say, was saved by the skin of his teeth. Saved as by fire. Now, the Word of God in 1 Corinthians 3 speaks about those who will stand someday at the judgment seat and all of their works, their wood, their hair, stubble, it will all be burned up, but they themselves will be saved, yet so as by fire. Into the kingdom of God by the skin of their teeth. Absolutely nothing to show for God's salvation in their lives. The Lord being merciful. The Lord being merciful, verse 16. Why are you here tonight? Because the Lord's merciful. Why are you living tonight? Because God's merciful. Why have you got your faculties tonight? Because God is merciful. Why weren't you cut off in your sin years ago? Because God is merciful. Why are you being warned? Because God is merciful. A merciful God. One last little thing. The destruction lot escaped. Verse uh, 23 and 24 of chapter 19. The sun was risen upon the earth when Lot entered into Zoar. And the Lord rained upon Sodom and upon Gomorrah brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven. And if you go to that area in Israel today, not all that far from the Dead Sea, you'll still find a high sulfur content in that valley. Testimony to the accuracy of Scripture. That brimstone and sulfur rained down from heaven. And the geology of the landscape has never been the same after Genesis chapter number 19. The destruction was absolute. It was total. Verse 25, he overthrew those cities and all the plain and all the inhabitants of the cities and that which grew upon the ground. There's a day of judgment coming, folks. No preacher enjoys preaching about it. But every preacher has to be faithful to the Word of God. The angels had said in verse 17, Look not behind thee, but Lot's wife looked back and became a pillar of salt. The fire and brimstone rained down upon her. She looked back. She only went so far. She didn't go to Zoar, the place of refuge. She came outside the boundaries of the cities and she looked back with a longing heart. Because where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And all her treasure was in the cities of the plain. She had no treasure in heaven, as far as we know. And the Lord said in Luke chapter uh, 9 and 62, remember Lot's wife. She looked back. Wonder tonight, are you willing to say goodbye to the old life? Wonder tonight, are you willing to say yes to Jesus Christ? I wonder tonight, are you willing as a backslider to say, Lord, I've wandered far away. I've got away from you for maybe years. Or maybe you're just on the brink of going down the road that Lot went. And you could save yourself a lot of tears and a lot of heartache and a lot of pain if you just consecrated your life tonight to Jesus Christ. They say that up there in the, in the Arctic that Eskimos, they kill wolves by getting a sharp knife and having it razor sharp. And setting that knife on top of a big piece of raw meat and they just cover it with a, a few inches of snow and the wolves come and they smell the meat. And they track it down and they follow the little trail of blood and then they find where the meat is and they just begin to lick through all of the ice and their tongue, their tongue becomes numb. And as they're licking and licking trying to get to the meat, they don't realize that they're cutting their tongue to ribbons and they just bleed out and die. And they don't even know that it's happening until it's too late. That's what sin can do in a person's life. 
The more you sin and the further you get away from God and the colder and colder you get, the more numb you become to the promptings of the Spirit of God. The Bible says, God's Spirit shall not always strive with man. Why was Lot delivered? Humanly speaking, because Uncle Abraham was praying. Spiritually speaking, because God was merciful. Abraham was up on the mountaintop standing before the Lord as a great intercessor. And there's an intercessor tonight in heaven. Jesus Christ is his name. Hebrews 7.25 says he ever liveth to make intercession for us. He is able to save to the uttermost because he ever lives to make intercession. He ever lives to plead and to pray for his people. And tonight if you come to Jesus Christ, he can save you for time and for eternity. He can restore the years that the locusts have eaten. I ask you again, have you lost out with God? As you look back over your life, you realize I've lost out somewhere along the way, but tonight I'm getting right with God. Tonight I'm coming home. Let's pray together. Let's seek the Lord. In the closing moments of this meeting, our time is almost gone. We'll sing a few verses of a hymn, but let's just unite our hearts together. And just in the stillness and in the quietness of God has been speaking into your heart, and you know tonight that you need to come to Christ or Come back to the Lord. Why not even now, in the closing moments of this meeting, just acknowledge, Lord, I've wandered, I've drifted. I've made a whole mess of things, and maybe nobody knows anything about my spiritual state, but Lord, you know, and I've lost out with God. Lord, take me, receive me, and cleanse me. Forgive me and restore me. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew your right spirit within me. Make that the prayer of your heart. Father, we pray tonight that you will speak into hearts and into lives. We acknowledge, Lord, that so often we look at the world around us and it looks so attractive. It appeals to the flesh. It appeals to the eye. It appeals to the heart. But, O oh God, we pray that you'll help us, Lord, to count our privileges, Lord, and to weigh up our decisions and the scales of eternity. Help us, Lord, to be mindful of our families. And grant, O God, that you'll make us tonight to be like Abraham, a man filled with the Spirit of God, who prayed and had a burden for the lost and could hear God's voice. Lord, write your word upon our hearts, and remember those tonight that need the Lord to do a work in their souls. Bring them to the cross. Glorify thy Son, we pray in the Savior's name. Amen.